going on, y'all? Welcome back to the Cold Seat Podcast, where the seats are cold and the takes are hot. Episode 57? Yeah, 57 today. Dang. A lot of episodes. 57 today, coming at you guys. We've got a regular Cold Seat episode. Had Thursday Turf Talk recorded last week. Uh, we were dealing with some Wi-Fi issues the past week. Yeah, we thought we cleared the Wi-Fi issues up. I don't know if it was a Wi-Fi issue or a Microsoft Teams issue where we record, but did the did the episode last Wednesday evening recorded the episode i went to you know proof the audio get the intro and outro on there cut it up and uh send it off to to our platform to get it posted and um but the audio is just team's audio is just every every fifth word losing a losing a couple seconds so um a little bit of pull back behind the curtain a little bit we had to both of us did a, a reinstall of teams so hopefully this one goes smooth it's been smooth uh, kind of in our Pre-show talk, if you will, went pretty smooth. So, hopefully, no issues today. Uh, Brett's Wi-Fi is good. My Wi-Fi is good. Like I said, it appears that uh, Teams is going to be maybe it's an update. I don't know what the deal was. Um, we've been having some issues for a few weeks now. Uh, we had an auto file that got corrupted two weeks back. So, um, hopefully, we're all good to go uh, for the episode today. And then, obviously, Turf Talk or Thursday Turf Talk on uh, on Thursday for you guys should be, coming, should be coming out. Hopefully, with no hookups, fingers crossed. Um, we'll start, with, we'll start with the episode off by turning up the heat like we usually do, and I'll let Brett uh, kick off, turn up the heat today. Yeah, mine is uh, my turn up the heat, my hot take, and my ice bath are both football-related. Um, this one is, I don't know if it's necessarily a hot take, I, it's just a hot take because it's never been done before, but in terms of what he's doing right now, it's not that bold of a take, is that... Tyreek Hill, he'll break the single-season receiving yards record. He sits at 814 yards through six games, so he still has 11 games remaining. Uh, the current record is from Calvin Johnson in 2012 when he had 1964. So um, don't be surprised if he breaks it, let alone gets to 2K, because um, he probably gets to 2K in the act of breaking the record. But um, more than on pace, he's on pace for like 2,300 right now. Um, so obviously he's not going to keep this pace, but um, to get to 2000, you're falling off pace a little bit and still breaking the record, which is crazy. So um, the way their offense is, the weapons they have right now, um, there shouldn't be a reason that he doesn't get there unless he's out. Obviously, if he's out more than one game, he probably doesn't get there. But I'm still counting on, on him to get there and stay healthy for at least 16 of the 17 games. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh... Definitely hot take because you're, you're you're calling for a record to be broken, especially early in the year. But I I definitely think that this is something that could could happen. Uh, just given the fact that he's where he's at through six weeks of football is pretty crazy. Um, we were talking about this last year at this time too. I mean, he as long you know he got hurt, he kind of missed a couple games in the back end of the year. But um, I don't know if it's just the scheme that McDaniel's has him in, or it's the fact that he's a true number one option in an offense that's a little more structured than what they had in Kansas City. Um Travis is always the number one and 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 Pat again is the only quarterback that can do this at a high level at the NFL in the in the NFL on a week to week basis. But he plays out of structure almost better than he does in structure, which almost you can say about almost no quarterback in the NFL. So um I think when you put a guy like Tyree Kill who has obviously unique speed, but his ability to play strong and run really, really good routes and be an elite wide receiver outside of just his speed alone. And then when you put him in a structured offense that is using him as the true number one, you know, straw that stirs the drink, if you will, uh, I think is really magnifying that how special he is as a receiver. Um, I don't want to say he got overlooked in Kansas City, or I just don't think he was as appreciated as he should have been. Or I just think it was like a byproduct of the offense and that, oh, it's just because Tyreek's fast. And, um, you know, obviously he's a great receiver, but people thought, oh, part of it's his speed and he's with Pat. And he's with Andy Reid and Travis Kelsey and blah, blah, blah. But I think we're seeing now that he is truly a, a generational talent. Again, in the way that as fast as he is on a consistent basis um, in every in everything he does. And then, again, he's to even take away the speed. He's an elite wide receiver. He's an elite route runner catcher of the football body control anything you want to talk about as, as a receiver when you take away just pure speed he's elite at so i think we're seeing that um certainly in, in year in year one with miami last year and even more so now in year two 
with Miami with a healthy Tua under center and another year of Jalen Waddle there as well. And obviously the speed across that whole <clears throat> offense is insane. But um, sticking with that NFL take here, this is an off the field take with the NFL. Um, this conversation I've had a few times with folks uh, comes up with the Chargers a lot because um, there's this notion that the, the Chargers used to be cheap, which in fairness, they, they used to be a little more cheap when they were in San Diego and um, kind of in the Philip Rivers era. They have not been cheap as of late. That's for certain. Um, but there's always this notion that they're like, quote, cash poor, meaning if you look at the the perceived amount of cash that the Spanos family has to operate the Chargers is less than, say, Stan Kroenke has to operate the Rams or Jerry Jones has to operate the Cowboys. And I'm not going to argue that the Spanos family is wealthier than Jerry Jones or the Walmart family that just bought the Denver Broncos. But my take here. I don't know if this is maybe less of a hot take or just me wanting to use turn up the heat to get on a soapbox a little bit um, and maybe clear up some misconceptions about the NFL because I don't think a lot of people realize this. But the notion that NFL teams are can be can be cash poor is is grossly uninformed and incorrect. If teams choose to are cash poor, it's by choice, right? These teams are choosing to operate in a ca- in a quote cash poor environment, if you will. These billionaire owners and ownership groups, most of them are owners, singular owners with or majority owners with some quote minority owners, you know, that have a couple percent or fractions of a percent here and there. But almost every every team is controlled by a family or a singular minority or majority majority owner, right? So, um. Seven Green Bay Packers, running the Packers. The Packers are a whole different. It's weird. Same with the Braves. The Braves are weird too. But back to the original point that these are billionaire entities. Whether they're a group of people or one person, they are billionaire entities that are sitting on so much money that 99% of the of the population will never see in their lifetime. The idea that they are cash poor is incorrect. They are choosing to operate in a, quote, cash poor sense because they don't want to liquidate funds. Billionaire ownership groups can make nine figures, which is $100 million or more, frankly, 10 figures almost, which is billions of dollars. A little harder to come up with, but owners, ownership groups can make nine figures come up at the snap of a finger, literally out of thin air. They can make nine, nine figures up here because of the the – the way in which they've accumulated wealth, they can just simply make it happen. Whether they go to a bank and withdraw the cash, which likely is not the case, or they go and they sell X, Y, and Z asset or whatever, they they are they can make anything happen. Because there's there's a thing. So basically, when teams sign, sign, for example, when I'll use the Browns as an example because this is the easiest one to do. Well, this signed to Sean Watson's 200, $246 million deal, $242 million deal. Fully guaranteed, right? Uh, I think it's 238. Five for 230. 230. Okay. In the NFL, whenever you guarantee money, it has to go into an escrow account. I mean, it has to, it's essentially, it has to be, that money has to be put into an account to make it guaranteed. So that's always like the question was like, oh, are, is X team going to pay X quarterback X money because they can't, because they're cash poor? Because all the charges with it, they're gonna, we're going to hear this all offseason about the about the the Jaguars. Because they're going to pay Trevor Lawrence a massive bag. It may now it may not be market setting money, but it'll be near market setting money the way that he's been playing. Again, he's probably not going to get a contract that's going to top a what you know Lamar, Jalen, Herbert, Burrow in you know succession got this offseason, but they're going to have to put away. 180 million dollars and they're a perceived quote cash poor team because they operate in as in a, in a quote cash poor sense the Khan family can make 500 million dollars appear now if they wanted to literally at the snap of a finger one phone call and and 500 million dollars is appearing so this idea in this in this rationalization by fan bases that oh we're poor our, our team is poor wrong your team is not poor your owners are cheap and they're acting in a sense that that they don't want to liquidate the things that are outside of the team. If anything, make the argument they are not putting the team first, which is a whole another argument because f- sports franchises are 
operating at razor thin margins because they're not that profitable. But they keep they they, they roll it over and they make thin margins and they and they and they quote make profit every year. But when you pull back the curtain a little bit to this, we want to talk about financials and people teams are poor. They're not poor. They're operating as as poor. They're choosing to they're they're being cheap essentially. Owners are being cheap. They're being stingy with money. So like when the Chargers didn't move to San didn't, didn't stay in, in, in San Diego, it's because the Spanos family didn't they just didn't want to put up the money for the stadium. They wanted the city to help pay for it. They wanted taxpayers to pay for it. When in reality they could have made it happen. They they could have got the financing for it. They could have got the money for it. It, it was not a problem for them. They just chose to be cheap because they didn't want to pay for it. So I don't know. I get into this like I don't want to say argument, but this animated discussion with people all the time. And I wanted to kind of give a little bit of a platform to it on a cold seat episode because a little more time today. Uh, baseball is pretty thin. Um, basketball will be thin. NHL will be thin because there's really nothing going on there yet. So, But I wanted to take the time to kind of, talk, kind of talk about this. One, this is stuff that I'm interested in. It's, you know, it's, I'm in school for this kind of stuff. And also, it, I just, it's just interesting that, again, there's this – I don't know where it comes from, this notion that teams are cash poor, but they're not. They just are choosing to be cheap. Um, these owners can make money that I will never see in my lifetime money that nobody, hardly any of us will ever see in our lifetime appear. It's not, it's, it's disgusting, frankly, it's ungodly. The things they can, the, the money that they can create fairly easily. I'm not saying that they can just like, you know, push a button and they've got all this cash, but it's, it's almost that easy for a lot of the bees. I mean, they, they're the own NFL teams for a reason. They don't just, I don't get $10 million and go spend nine of it on an NFL team. That's not how that works, right? It's not, not really how not really how the business decision goes. So that's all. Um, I'll hop off my soapbox now and let you get your thoughts. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, it's a problem across all sports. Um, you know, you see a lot in MLB, I think. But with the way the salary cap works in the NFL, yeah, it's some teams like to operate with tighter wallets than others and unfortunately if you follow one of those teams it can kind of get a little annoying especially in the off season when you know guys are due contracts and fortunately both our teams paid their quarterbacks but you know there was another route to it that they didn't and you know something could have happened and the negotiations fell through and whatever and they're on another team now granted that's just but there are a ton of examples to where teams being reluctant to spend money in this manner can lead to guys going elsewhere. And we see it all the time. Obviously some cases are bigger than others, but it happens very frequently. And that's why teams try to use every nuance in the contract construction to where they can get their money's worth of technically on what they're doing. Um, you know, try not to have as many guarantees and stuff like that. But uh, I mean, teams, recently just started using void years to kind of get around the cap and stuff like that to where you can have you can sign guys to these contracts and stuff like that and not have to use as many use as much money up front but um like i said i mean it happens in every sport it's just a little more prevalent i think in football and noticeable just because of the following that the nfl gains um it's definitely the most it's the biggest issue in baseball like you said for sure because you see these these i mean small market teams are at a disadvantage again given the the lack of a salary cap you're just paying a tax so owners that are super wealthy like like the cohen family cohen family in in new york like they can just pay the tax they don't don't care right like that is an issue and that's a whole other conversation but like in in you your 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 team is or your fan base is a victim of it you're going to be a victim of it this these next 3 years with the Orioles is is the ownership going to operate quote cash poor or are they going to sh- shell out the money because they they frankly they can get it it's just a matter of again and and it's not as simple as i kind of made it sound with just hitting a button there's you know corporate structuring there's financing there's a million things you can go do with restructuring and, and 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 selling and and tax benefit and all that all this kind of stuff that you can do to create the money or even just create the way you can do it this is going to get a little technical but the way you can do it is you can record losses of like 
oh shoot, I lost hundred million. My business lost hundred million dollars this year. Well, I don't pay taxes. I don't pay extra money. That I actually get money back. If a, if a, if a corporation or a company operates in a loss, they get a quote tax benefit, meaning my operating profit is negative a hundred million dollars, and that's just the corporate tax rate is twenty four percent, I believe twenty one percent. I'm receiving twenty one million dollars from the government. That's how that works. That's why people. That's why companies will often run into deficit sometimes. It's a little bit of a, again, a little nerdy, but that's like something you could do to, to quote get the money. That's not what they would do. That's fraud. I mean, that's fraudulent. That's tax fraud. But there are legal ways to go about that. But like I said, teams can make it happen in, in a whole slew of ways. Um, right. With as much capital as they're operating with, so. Like you said, I think the NFL gets the biggest light shine on it because there's the biggest there's the biggest following, like you like you said, which I think is 100% correct. But I think, like you kind of touched on, it's the biggest issue in, in Major League Baseball, given a the way that the salary cap works and payrolls work, which is a whole other issue. Um, maybe we'll talk about that one time. Maybe that's an off-season discussion we can have um, about about that. Maybe it's a couple of solutions. Um, so there are disadvantages for small market teams for the most part. But as you said, you get you got to start owners got to own or they need to sell because they can't run the team to compete. So, yeah, you hit the nail on the head, though. The NFL gets the most pub about it, but it's probably the worst in baseball. Right. I mean, it'll be this way until some new rule comes out that there will be another way to get around. So it'll, it'll essentially always be this way in some sense. Um, but it's pretty bad right now across a few different sports, but moving on here to the MLB where we have entered the third round of the postseason. So last week, the divisional series recap, um, divisional series two in each league concluded last week. Um, in the AL, the Rangers and the Orioles faced off, and the Rangers swept that series. Um, you know, when the Orioles' offense was doing well, the Rangers' offense was. When the Orioles' pitching was doing well, the Rangers' pitching was. It's just kind of really how the Rangers' season has gone. Um, you know, when they're hot like they are right now, you win seven in a row. Um, but you never know when that cold streak can come in. I know we talked about that. Um, but, you know, they could lose five or six in a row right after a long win streak. So you just never know when it's coming in, and they're hot right now. So, um, you know, playing well in the ALCS as well, which we'll get to in a minute. But the other series in the ALDS was the Twins at Astros. The Twins won their division and won their wildcard series against the Blue Jays, advanced to play the Astros, and the Astros won the series 3-1, to one, and the Twins took either game one or two, I can't remember. Um, so we have an all-Texas ALCS as the Rangers and Astros are facing off, and I'll just recap that and I'm going to get you to the um, NL side. The Rangers and Astros uh, started a couple days ago. The Rangers won the first game 2-0. Um, you know, the, the Astros seem to have base runners every inning, but just can never push a run across. Um, the Rangers pitching did enough to, you know, keep that lead and ultimately win the game. Um, and then last night was a little bit closer. Um, you know, the Rangers scored four in the first and then, seemed like they didn't really do anything after that, but that was enough to win the game, I believe, five to three or five to four. Um, five to four. But, yeah, I mean, Jordan Alvarez had a couple homers. Um, they had a couple big hits other than that, but they still haven't done enough to, you know, outplay the Rangers. And now they're going to Texas starting – or Arlington tomorrow night for three games, down 2-0. So yeah, the Astros are going to have to win at least two of those um, if they want to keep their season going and bring it back to Houston for the conclusion of the series. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Um, obviously, I'm going to say the Rangers probably advance to the World Series with a 2-0 lead, but you never know what can happen. Um, the Astros have the most experience out of any team left by far, um, probably multiple times over with the other three teams have combined. But um, a very experienced roster, and they can turn a series around really quick. So um Rangers are up 2-0 for now, but don't be surprised if, you know, the Astros make a comeback and force this to six or seven. I mean, the, the Rangers historically 
Um, we've seen them be in this position a lot, especially in big postseason series, and they and they cave. So, is this team different? Um, that question is going to be largely answered by Max Scherzer tomorrow night, or I guess the tonight when you guys are, or no, tomorrow night because let's go out today. We're recording on, on a Tuesday, given some exam schedules we got going this week. But um, yeah, tomorrow night Max Scherzer goes, makes his Rangers debut. Well, Rangers postseason debut, pitched a couple times with the Rangers when he got got over there, but. Um, yeah, I, I, if they go up through tomorrow, which is very possible with Scherzer going, I think you can probably say they advance now. Um, I just, I'm not comfortable with it yet. This team, like we talked about at length, this team is a team of, of hot stretches and cold stretches. They're on an absolute heater right now offensively. Um, I said all year, the long ball plays in the postseason, and we'll get to that in a minute with a national league team. that just is on a historic pace hitting homers. But, um, yeah, I mean, Rangers go, go to, go to, Baltimore take two and then they and then win the one at home to sweep. Um, I'll I'll talk I'll, I'll get the NLC the NLDS and then I can talk about kind of my thoughts. I'll expand on my thoughts that I made a couple weeks ago about the format here. Um, Twins Astros Twins took game took game two six to two. Astros pretty handily won the other the other the next two games. Game one was tight I believe. Uh, game two the Twins won and uh, Astros won game three and four pretty easily. Um, they're the team that's kind of withstood the the higher seed gets the bye week mishap, if you will, or cold streak. Um, I don't know if it's because they played a Twins team that didn't have a lot of pitching depth outside of Pablo Lopez. I don't know. I genuinely, I don't know. I don't know why they're the team that that avoided it because their pitching wasn't great in the NLDS or ALDS per se, like the starting pitching wasn't phenomenal the first two games. Um, yeah, it hasn't been good in the ALCS to date. I mean, they've given up a lot of runs. Um, yeah, namely, Framber Val- Valdez having a, just a, one of his worst starts of his career uh, last night. So um, maybe it's Ron Washington. You know, he's not an analytics guy. All the teams remaining are not analytics guys. They've got analytical-driven front offices with very much – nuance driven and like feel of the game driven manager. So I don't know if that's it. Um, that's something we can kind of talk about. People want to point to the Astros like, Oh, well they don't have a problem with it. Like you said, they're also the most put this Astros team put together has some of the most posting postseason experience I've ever seen. And we can call into question the legitimacy of a couple of their runs in 17 and 18, but they still were in the postseason. They still played a lot of games in the postseason. So whether or not they they cheated or not, they've been here before, and that's still experience regardless, right? So um, I think that helps a lot. And I think, again, having a manager like Ron Washington, a guy who's not anal- analytically driven in his decision-making helps. Um, you know, you, know, I, <laughs> you get to like the Braves and the Dodgers and the, and the NLDS, two analytical-driven managers – and um, but the decision making and, and and I don't want to put a lot of flack on Dave Roberts for what happened. Snit had a bad ma- managerial decision putting uh, rookie catcher up to the plate in his first postseason, at, second postseason at bat. Von Grissom, just a terrible decision to put him up there with the game on the line like that. I didn't like it. Um, got to get a guy in there. He's got more experience than that. But um, so getting to the NLDS here, Phillies beat the Braves, went into Atlanta, took the first. First first game, Atlanta. No, they first the first two games in Atlanta. Philly won or am I still? Yeah, yeah. Atlanta won the second game, game three in Philly. They they should have lost. Zach Wheeler took a no no into the sixth, ended up giving up three, and um, Braves ended up winning that game four five to four. Um, Phillies came out and just the the score was tight. They dominated game four though. They dominated game four from the jump. Um, they're hitting homers at a historic clip that's propelling this run that they're on. And um, I talked a lot about the Rangers with the long ball plays in the postseason, the Phillies, man, the long ball plays in the postseason. If you can get the long ball, in the postseason, you're going to go a long way because um, it's just pitching's better. And oftentimes when pitching's better, more homers get hit and it's less doubles, singles, double singles kind of stacked up together, right? Less walks, less, you know, blue pits, whatever. So um, it helps that they've got one of the best postseason players of all time in Bryce Harper. Um, Nick Castellanos appears to be having an awesome postseason. Kyle Schwarber had a first pitch uh, leadoff homer last night. So 
um, in the NLC and a game one of the NLCS. So they, they're hitting up and down the lineup right now. Um, the credit to them. And um, we'll get to the, their, their series here in a second with the Diamondbacks who went into Los Angeles, dominated the first two games, uh, and then won game three. Tighter game in game three in, in Arizona to sweep the Dodgers uh three to zero um 104 win team loses to a 90 win team 100 win team loses to an 84 win team and 101 win team lost to a 90 win team um all in pretty embarrassing fashion i would say embarrassing fashion for the orioles for the orioles staff i think we can probably agree maybe the worst performance was the dodgers lineup especially the top two hitters in mookie Betts and freddie freeman combining for a single hit in the entire series is pitiful and then the Braves lineup, which was historically good, was horrendous outside of three innings in game in game three. So not to mention the four MVP candidates, top four MVP candidates in the National League, Ronald Acuna Jr., Mookie Betts, Matt Olson, Freddie Freeman, probably in that order, right? Probably Acuna, Betts, Olson, Freeman, um, and probably how, how votes will stack up. Maybe you flip Olson, Freeman, who knows? I, I don't know how the voters are going to vote. Power versus just doubles and, and, and contact. But um, – those, those, I don't think Matt I don't think Acuna had, he may have had one hit in the NLDS. I don't, I don't know if Olsen had a hit in the NLDS, maybe one. So when those th- four guys combined for under four hits, not good. Uh, three of those guys hit over 300. Matt Olsen hit 50, 51 or 52 homers in the regular season, nothing. So, um, I think we've got to talk about changing the format. Listen, Dodgers starting pitching lost them games one and two from the jump, at least game one. I mean, Clayton Kershaw with easily the worst start of his career, and he will never have a start worse than that, giving up six runs, not making it out of an, a third of an inning, um, leaving the game with 162 ERA is just – it was literally the worst start he could have had. Um, Bobby Miller came out in game two and was not good either. Bats could get nothing going. They couldn't hit with runners in scoring position. The only guys who really came to play was the bull. I mean, the bullpen had a masterful performance. Bullpen was elite for them. Um, you can probably say the same for the Braves too. Their bullpen was great for them as well. Um, that's not a couple innings, I think, but their bullpen was great. Dodgers bullpen was great. Um, and I think for the Dodgers, I mean, Will Smith had a good series. Kike Hernandez had a good series, and that's about it. Everyone laid an egg, and you see the same thing for the most part with the Braves too. And then obviously the Orioles staff looked bad because they looked really good to end the year they they were a top five team in baseball in era in the last two months of the year so pitchers go cold hitters go cold we've got to talk about how we can make how we can better reward teams for winning their division and being the best in baseball we have to figure out a better way to do it um i don't know what it looks like We've talked about it a little bit on here. I'll let Brett. I think this is we did this when we did the split episode when we were having some connectivity issues. So, but if you want to kind of give your thoughts on it, what you think? Um, I think now. I mean, last year, 111 win team goes down. 104 win. 104. 102 win team goes down. This year, 104, 101, and 100 100 win game teams go down. Baseball's losing a lot of money right now. Baseball's losing a lot of money right now in 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 the championship series, and they're going to lose money in the World Series too. As much as people are tired of the Braves and the Dodgers in the National League, people are tired of the Astros too. And ultimately, those are the biggest markets in baseball, and you're missing a lot of eyeballs. Um, and they don't, and they're not going to like it. And I don't know if um, I know people love upsets. I know you love an upset. I don't hate them either. I also think that in the postseason, the best I'd like to see the best teams competing on the on the biggest stage. There's no question that easily the two best teams in the National League were the Dodgers and the Braves this year. There's no question that at least the I mean the clear cut best team in the American League for the most for, at least for the second half of the year was the Orioles. No no question. We wanted to see them in the in the American League series championship series going up against probably the Astros. We, the, it would have been awesome to see. A young team like that win 101 games, taking on the defending champs. It would have been incredible. Instead, we've got and I'll, I mean, and granted, we we have a good series right now in the American League Championship Series. I'll give you that. But I mean, I just this is back to back years in the National League where it's just not, it's not what anyone really wanted to see. I don't think. And um, maybe this is biased. It might be. I 
maybe I'm, I'm totally in the wrong, but I feel like we got to find a better way to do this. No, I agree. I think it's definitely beneficial for us as our teams were the teams that have buys, but I think overall, um, I mean, I think they talked about that they're not really in a hurry to change the format. Um, but I think overall you need to do something. It's just, it's hard to do with the MLB because of how many games need to be in each series. Um, with ha- Your team is bound to have days off at some point just because of how series can go. Like, what if one team goes the distance with another team and then in the other league you have a sweep it's like yeah yeah the team's still gonna have days off and it's it's really tricky to do and i think they can do better than they're doing right now but it'll never be ideal um it's just unfortunate how it unfolded the past few years and obviously a change does need to be made but maybe it's you know frequency of series maybe they change the like wild card ds cs Maybe they change that to an extent. Uh, I think you could change the number of games. You can change, especially wild card number of games, um, to help prevent and maximize teams that are doing well in the regular season, teams that are hot towards the end of the season, because the Rangers didn't play well to end the regular season, yet they got hot in the playoffs with no rest time. So that could be a pushback to changing the format. Um I, I mean, I know we're looking at the Astros down 2-0, but they've been here before. Um, and I think grand experience always helps. But for the most part, we've seen teams that have rest look slow and come out flat in the playoffs when they performed well in the regular season and won 65% of their game. So I don't think there's going to be a change for next year at least, but I think there's going to be talks and efforts to make a slight change at least. I just don't know what that change is going to look like because there's so many different variables that you can change to help improve the format. So just my thoughts. Um, But yeah, I am, I mean, both the ALCS and NLCS have been solid so far. Um, I hope, I assume that continues onto the World Series. But, yeah, you are losing a lot of markets. I mean, obviously, Phillies and Astros are both pretty big markets. Um, But with the Rangers, especially the Diamondbacks, you're losing a lot of eyes on games where it could have been, you know, those bigger market teams that went out in the the DS series. So it's going to be good baseball regardless because you're getting teams that are hot at the right time going against each other. Um, but it's just in terms of the athletes, in terms of how polarizing the matchup can be, they're not getting that aspect of it. Instead, you're having, you know, just whoever's hot, which is OK to an extent. But at the same time, you know, you want to see the guys making the most money, doing the most when it matters. So it's pretty much it. I don't know if you wanted to close it out at all. I will say I think it's more about it's I'm not making the excuse because my team has lost twice in the NLDS in the last two years. Don't get me wrong. I'm very, very frustrated about it. And I've got I'm not going to say like a take, but I've got like a little nugget about that at the end of the episode with the the um, the ice bath. But certainly it's frustrating. I know Braves fans are in a very so I I know a couple couple guys that are Braves fans that are Dodgers and Braves fans in fought all year. And now we're in the same boat. Right. So. And it happened last year, too. So I get it. It's frustrating. And I get it probably sounds annoying from a Dodgers fan hearing it. But it's more about the way in which the teams have lost. If the if the so like the Phillies beating the Braves wasn't this crazy thing. It was the way in which the Braves lost. Their offense was god awful outside of, like I said, three innings, basically in game three or game. Yeah, game three, a historically good offense on a per game basis and in a, in a one of the one of the best lineups we've ever seen in the last decade, it feels like, was terrible. A guy who had one of the greatest offensive seasons we've ever seen was terrible. And and maybe you call into question the the preparation, but if a guy goes 162 games and hits 40, gets a 40 70 year batting 325 plus 315 plus, he begs the question. Baseball players play almost every day or every other day at, at a minimum, and then they get a whole ten, what 
eight days, nine, six, seven days off, it's hard. You can't simulate that. Again, so it would have been different if the Braves lost in, in four games, but they but they hit the crap out of the ball. It'd be different. Frank, it'd be different. It'd be different if the Dodgers lost in three games, but they scored some runs and the offense did something. It'd be different if the Orioles lost, but the pitching actually showed up, right? It'd be different, but it's not. It's just because the same thing happened last year. The, the Dodgers offense won 111 games. They're the best modern era team since the since what the Mariners in 01. And then even going back to then, it's like the 1910s or 1920s. They're one of the best modern era teams ever in the regular season. They win game one of the NLDS and then they go cold three straight games. And they really didn't pit, hit that well in game one either. They hit two homers in the first two innings and did nothing after that. The same thing happened with the Braves. The Braves won 100 and what, 103 games, 102 games last year. Got cold offensively. So it's not about the fact that, that the better teams are losing. It's the way in which they've been losing, where the offense has just done absolutely nothing at all. They've gone ice cold. That To me, that's the bigger issue. It's not that they're losing. I don't want to sound like I'm just sitting up here complaining because my team's lost twice. No, no, it's the way in which the team has lost that I'm raising an issue with which the format is currently – we're currently playing the format, right? That, that, that's, that's the issue. Less about the fact that they're actually losing the games, more about the way in which these teams, not just that I've been the Braves too, have lost these games the last two years. So that, that that was I wanted to clarify my point. I didn't want to again make it sound like I was up here complaining about my team losing. Yeah, it sucks, but it's more about the way in which they've lost that I take issue with the format, not that they're actually losing the games, if that makes sense. Right. No, yeah, I agree. Um we'll see what happens with that. See if anything does happen. Um, but moving on from that, looking for a good rest of the ALCS, NLCS. Um, we have NLCS game two tonight in Philly once again before they travel to Arizona for three games or possibly two. Um, and then the ALCS will pick back up tomorrow night as today's their technically travel day, even though I'm assuming they're both already in Arlington. Um, as we move on to golf. This past weekend, um, we did have a PGA Tour event, first one in a few weeks. The Shriners Children's Open uh, took place at TPC Summerlin in Las Vegas, Nevada. $8 million event. It was won by Tom Kim last season as he shot 24 under. This year, um, the purse went up 400K, and it was won by Tom Kim again. He won it at 20 under this time, so... Not quite as good, but, you know, when you win an event two years in a row, uh, that's pretty good company. Um, you know, not too many guys do it. Only It's happened only once before, three years in a row, um, which you obviously have to win next year as well. But he took him just over 1.5 mil this time around. And as a side note, Texas Tech alum Ludwig Oberg finished tied for 13th at 16 under and shot a nine under 62 on Sunday. So um, kind of a sluggish round two and three for him. So I follow him pretty close. And then round four, he went off, went into contention and then made it really close to the finish. A lot of guys finished between 16 and 20 under um, kind of at the top of that leaderboard. And then next weekend we'll have the Zozo championship at Accordia golf, Narashino country club in the general area of Tokyo, Japan. So not sure how many guys will make the trip, but eight and a half million dollar purse. Um, and Keegan Bradley won that event last year. So he'll be going to try to make it two in a row like Tom Kim did this past weekend. Um, but don't expect a great field for that one. As like I said, a lot of guys, especially the European guys won't be making the trip. Tom Kim just likes to, he just plays good at TPC Summerlin, doesn't he? He just plays well. It's just, he just, he hits yeah. the, he, I mean, he's hit the, he hits the greens well. I don't know whether, like, who knows? Like, someone's going to ask him, like, hey, Tom, like, like, what about the course? Why, like, because some guys, they, like, they play the greens really well at certain courses, right? That's just kind of how it is. Or they, or, I don't know, they feel like they, they hit the ball well off the tee box at certain, at certain courses. They feel like they have a good reflex. I don't know. It's usually greens is the thing, right? So I'd love to know. Maybe he's from Las Maybe, I don't know where he's from. Maybe he played a lot of golf in Las Vegas at this course. I, I don't know. Yeah, a lot I'm of not. times, like, 
No idea. Not entirely sure, but he he's been. I'd say over the last year, he's made a pretty big jump in his game. Um, I don't can't remember if he's won any other events other than these back to back. I want to say he's won one other. Um, granted, the field was a little weaker this past week, um, as we won't see the big name guys play consistently until the new season starts in the spring. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, the course just probably really favors his game. Um, I don't know a whole lot about the course. I just know it's a par 71, which is pretty standard. Um, just over 7,000, I believe 7,500 yards. Um, so that's pretty standard. So it doesn't really give me a whole lot on what in his game makes it so right for that course. Um, like you said, maybe he just plays that course um, in the offseason a few times. Maybe he just likes the way that course is laid out. Um, who knows? But um, good to have PGA Tour Golf back. Um, I will say, I have to mention that Lexi Thompson, one of the top LPGA players, was playing in the PGA Tour event um, this past weekend, which hardly ever happens. So um, that must be pretty interesting to be the only woman playing in a men's league in the PGA tour. Um, she was playing pretty well. I think she got to two under ultimately did not make the cut. Uh, I don't think a female's made a cut in a PGA tour since like forties or sixties. Um, so it's been a long time, let alone females playing in the PGA tour to begin with, but, uh, pretty crazy for her to do that. I know she's been one of the top female golfers for a couple years. Um, the, kind of power rankings official world golf rankings for the women fluctuates pretty frequently a little more than the guys so um still pretty big for her to do that but yeah i don't know when we're going to see another female on the pga tour it obviously hardly ever happens but um she played pretty well throughout the week and unfortunately didn't make the cut to make history but nonetheless still played in the event um so yeah that's pretty much it for golf if you have anything, but we will. Yeah, he's big ups to Lexi Thompson. Dude. That's impressive. Um, really impressive. So the fact she even got to two under is is, is super impressive. It's uh, I think people scoff at golf like at golf sometimes. They don't really like notice how hard it is. Um, especially if you're someone who doesn't play on the on the men's tees, like it's significantly further. Like it's just when you go to a tee box and you see, you know, lining up, like it's pretty impressive that she was at two under. So. Um, no, it's uh, like you said, go to the PGA back at some some regular golf every once in a while, every weekend. Um, which is good. NFL injuries. Um, had a a few more this week. Um, I think we've got what's this? Two, four, six, eight, ten, eleven. You want to take the quarterbacks? I'll take the the other guy, the skill guys. Yeah, it sounds good. Um, let's run through them and then we'll we'll hit. We each grab a couple to talk about. Yeah, so for the quarterbacks, um, we also didn't really have many defensive injuries across the board this week. But for the quarterbacks, we um, had Trevor Lawrence, quarterback of the Jaguars, with a left knee injury. Uh, the MRIs came out yesterday, and they were negative, although he's, they play Thursday night. So with a short week, he could possibly be out this Thursday if he is probably comes back the following week. So at max one game out Ryan Tannehill, um, he played over in London against the Ravens this past week and suffered a right ankle injury. It is a re-injury of the ankle. He hurt last year that caused season ending surgery. So he'll probably be out a couple weeks. Um, possibly, uh, he'll be placed on IR, but still up in the air. Quarterback, Justin Fields of the bears, right thumb dislocation, uh, possibly IR for him as that's his throwing hand. QB Jimmy Garoppolo with a back injury out maybe one week, maybe two weeks. Um, they're not going to have to have surgery. He kind of dodged a bullet with that injury in terms of the severity of it um, when the tests came back. Baker Mayfield um, with a left hand injury. Shouldn't miss time as this is his non-throwing hand. Um, elite creamsicle uniforms that they brought out this week. Um, just incredible from helmet to jersey to pants. Um wish they would bring him out more often, but nonetheless, uh, didn't play great in him. I think he only put up six points. And then I know we touched on it last week about the Colts QB, 
uh, rookie Anthony Richardson that they selected with the fourth overall pick is likely going to have season-ending shoulder surgery. So I know last week we said that it was a grade three AC sprain. Uh, That was confirmed. His labrum was actually fine. Um, Now he's considering surgery just to help accelerate the rehab process. Um, As when you have a sprain like that, surgery is more beneficial to preventing tissue building up and it's just a smoother process to get back. Um, it's probably the correct decision for him and long-term just in terms of his longevity of his career surgery is probably best. Um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much it for quarterbacks. Obviously the big one being Anthony Richardson as barring Aaron Rodgers, uh, the second quarterback with a major injury this year. I'll touch on on him real quick a little bit. Sucks for the Colts. Sucks for him. He looked really good, like I kind of talked about a couple weeks ago. Um, Looked good as a rookie, better than expected. Um, I hate to see it for him. Uh, I think look at the Bears. If Justin Fields misses some, you know, four games, if he goes to the IR, minimum four four games going to be out. So he misses those games. It's going to cost him his job because they ain't winning a game when he's out. They they will do absolutely nothing. When he's out, they hardly do anything with him in the game. When he's out of the game, it's going to be even harder to, to play offense for them, which is already a struggle. So, um, the right thumb dislocation might cost him his job. Um, it'd be hard pressed, despite the very human performance from Caleb Williams this week against Notre Dame. I have a hard time thinking that they, they, they get the first pick, they're not taking Caleb Williams, or at least taking Drake May. If we want to. If I if I want to play into the narrative that we are overhyping Caleb Williams, which I don't think we are, we can play into it until they'll take Drake May instead. They're going to take a quarterback if they if they get the first overall pick. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's that. Uh, Lawrence misses a game, probably not going to play on Thursday night. I I doubt it. Um, just from a, a career longevity standpoint, this one game ain't worth it to them. I don't think so. Especially coming off a big win in, in London, um, I think there's. Probably probably doesn't play this week uh, on short rest. Getting into the skill guys here, running back Christian McCaffrey went out of the game with a, a, an oblique slash a rib injury with an uh, MRI. Don't know if we got MRI results yet. I was kind of off Twitter all day yesterday, and I've certainly not been on Twitter today. I'll tell you that right now after the game last night. Not been on Twitter today. Um, just no need for it. Um, so I don't I don't think – do we have MRI results for him yet? I, I have not looked, but it sounds like either so. way – I don't think I think I would assume the tweet from from Shefty or from Rap Sheet. So um, he sounds like he can play through it, though. I expect him to. Um, they need him. They struggled a little bit to move the ball. So they lost the game. They struggled to move the ball without him in the game. It felt like so. Um, I think he probably plays through that. Uh, David Montgomery ribs out three weeks for the Lions. Um, big bump for Jameer Gibbs if he can get healthy. I think we'll see Jameer Gibbs get an uptick in his touches here. If not. Um, I don't remember who the running back three for them is, but no, I'm probably talk about that Thursday. If uh, if Montgomery's going to be out and, and Gibbs isn't going to play this week, maybe a, a waiver wire pickup uh, for the week if anyone needs a running back or a flex position with a couple bye weeks this week. Uh, wide receiver Debo Samuel, uh, another injury for the 49ers in the skill group with a shoulder. X-rays were negative. Uh, reports that she, but she should, be, he should be back this week. Um, we could see him maybe miss. A, I think we might see him miss a game if they want to kind of play it slow. Um, although. They may want to do that with McCaffrey instead, so we'll see if um, if Devo makes a return. Garrett Wilson went down with a right ankle foot injury. I think he is going to be good to go. He, I think he came back into the game. I think he was all good. Um, bit of a scary moment for the Jets' offense, though, considering it seems to be their biggest weapon right now. Went down, um, came back in the game, looked a little hobbled. I think he kind of hobbled back off the field at one point, but I think he's going to be fine to play this week. And then DeAndre Hopkins with a right hand injury. Again, I think he should be good to go this week. He just came out of the game a little bit. Um, so I think he should be good to go, though, um, coming up for for um game this weekend. Yeah, overall, um, you know, a lot of big names, skill position. McCaffrey, I think, overall, um, oblique takes about a month to fully heal, but he can play through it. So obviously it might be a slight dip in touches and production, but should still be able to play. Um, Montgomery, yeah, he's going to be out for a bit um they have a bye week nine and he's already out week seven so he might take week eight off as well to give him a full month um to recover but Gibbs should be able to play um 
in his place as the starting running back this week against the Ravens. And then, yeah, Debo is interesting. I don't know what he's going to do. I assume he's going to play this week and probably just limited touches as well just because they're going to need him. And, frankly, without him, their offense doesn't run nearly as smoothly. Um, and then Garrett Wilson and D-Hop, both minor, um, should be able to play this week. So, honestly, nothing huge outside of Anthony Richardson. All just three-week or less deals. Um, yep. Moving on to just a couple updates. Uh, so, the NHL, we're going to have a standings update next week uh, as it kicked off last week. We're going to have a standings update every three weeks as they have a good bit of off days in the NHL. Um, teams only play about 10 games in a three-week span. So look for a standings update every three weeks. So we'll kick it off next week on episode 58, three weeks from there. And then NBA. Next week's also going to be, be a big episode for the NBA as we're going to have predictions for the season that kicks off next Tuesday, a week from today, including MVP, Comeback Player of the Year, Rookie of the Year, Most Improved Player, and then the Finals matchup and Finals winner um, all be coming next week. Looking forward to that. I know both NHL and NBA I'm going to get more into this season. NBA is just tough last year because the Spurs having, what, 20, 20, between 20 and 26 wins um, is pretty poor with hardly any games being nationally televised and their channel being dropped from a lot of channel carriers so um it kind of lent itself to me taking a step back in my following of the spurs last year um really over the past couple years as they've struggled after snapping their 50 win and playoff streak um but yeah looking forward to this uh, nba season i know obviously being a spurs fan it's going to be probably another tough season i'm just hoping we can get to a play-in but who knows? I mean, if not, then we're in the lottery, and that's not bad either for the state of the roster. So looking forward to Wembenyama. He's looked really good in his two games in the preseason. So at least something to look forward to. Uh, a good bit of nationally televised games, actually, um, fortunately for me. And then NHL. I don't really have a team in the NHL, like a team I truly follow. Uh, really looking forward to the season, though. I think... it's gaining a following with each season and just my family really being Capitals fans growing up back on the East coast. I've followed the Capitals, but I've never really had a team of my own. So that might change this year. We'll see. Um, But yeah, not, not a whole lot with that. Like I said, just a standings update coming next week as the season's going on right now. And then predictions for the NBA. Yeah, I'm excited for the NHL and NBA to get started up. Just a couple more things to watch on a nightly basis. Kind of background noise, if you will, at, at some point. Um, NBA should be interesting. I kind of talked about it a little bit, but it feels like it's Nuggets and everybody else in the East, so or in the West, sorry, and the uh, East feels pretty top-heavy. So uh, we'll see how it kind of plays out. Get, get some talk, get some late-late last night studying up early this morning for an exam. Brain's a little fried. Can't talk, but... See if we can get some good coverage of it next week. I'm um, looking forward to it. Kind of getting the NBA going again and um, NHL, same thing. Um, NCAA basketball, AP poll came out. Um, first poll of the 2023-2024 season was released Monday. Uh, I think the first game is in about a month or th- two, three weeks. Um, yeah, I think we have I think about our three first, weeks. I think our first game is like the first week, first, second week of November. I think most teams are on the same schedule. Um, but AP poll came out. I'll go from 10 to 1. I'll leave a little suspense here. Um, Florida Atlantic coming in at 10. Tennessee coming in at 9. Creighton coming in at 8. Houston at 7. UConn at 6. Marquette at 5. Michigan State at 4. Purdue at 3. Duke at 2. And the Kansas Jayhawks at number 1. And the floor is yours. Yeah, I think, obviously, AP poll is 25 teams um, that receive enough votes to be ranked. Obviously, the team receiving the most votes is ranked one, in this case, Kansas, followed by Duke and Purdue. Um, Not really any surprises here. I think a lot of people – Gonzaga just missed the top 10 at 11, by the way. A lot of people kind of look at Florida Atlantic, but they've had back-to-back really good March Madness. I mean, they made a Final Four last year, so 
Um, they bring pretty much all those guys back. So a pretty good ranking for them here. And I think they should earn it throughout the course of the season. I don't know if they're going to stay top 10 for too long, but nonetheless, it's fun to have a, you know, a lesser known team up there with a lot of powerhouses in Michigan state, Kansas, Duke, Purdue, Yukon, Houston, a couple new teams that really haven't played as consistent as you would have thought. Um, yeah, I mean, Kansas has a loaded roster. They should be one or top three the whole season. Same with Duke. Um, a little bit of a younger group with Duke, but still really talented backcourt. Purdue, same, different year, same story. They start really high, um, you know, going to play well for a good bit of the season and then likely fall off um, before the tournament as the Big Ten is a good basketball conference, but not the best. Um, Michigan State, been really solid, a blue wood. Marquette um, with Shock Smart took a big step forward last year. UConn, obviously, winning the Natty. Um, they are really good. And b- being ranked sixth, um, they kept nearly their whole roster, lost a couple guys, but not huge impacts that they're not going to be able to um, make up for with recruits and stuff like that. Houston, first season in the Big 12. So Kansas and Houston, the two Big 12 teams in the top 10. Um, just a really well-coached team by Kelvin Sampson. And they should be able to you know, make some noise this year deep in the tourney. I know we expected them to do more than they did last year, but uh, just consistency with the uptick in quality of opponents. So it'll be interesting to see how they, they do this year. Uh, Creighton, number eight, another consistent program that hasn't really gotten over the hump in the tournament. It'll be interesting to see how they finish. And then Tennessee, um, one of the highest ranked SEC teams out of the six SEC teams that are in the top 25. Um, now Alabama is going to take a step back. I think we saw a lot of SEC teams get hot at the right time last year, leading to a good tournament showing from them. Tennessee is one of those teams that can be a little streaky at times, but they're a veteran roster, should play well over the course of the season. So that's pretty much the top 10. Already touched on Florida Atlantic. Gonzaga at 11 obviously should enter the top 10 fairly quickly um, with a loss from many of these teams. But that'll pretty much round it out. Um, all we have left is the ice bath for this episode 57. And obviously still going to have Thursday turf talk in a couple days for y'all where we're going to kind of preview the week seven of college football or excuse me, week seven of NFL, week eight of college football. Concluding it with a rookie watch. But before then, the ice bath, um, like I said, both my pieces are NFL related. Um, this is Ravens related. So the Ravens badly need a pass rusher. I think both kind of the, the Ra- Ravens biggest need is pass rusher or corner right now. And coincidentally, those position groups have played well in the grand scheme of things over the course of the season. They've missed their top three pass rushers for all but part of the season opener. Um, Tyus Bowser and Odafe Owe have been out, frankly, the whole season. And David Ojabo got hurt in the opener and should be back in three weeks. So, unfortunate there. Have to have, to, have had to bring in a couple vets um, just to kind of fill the holes and get some guys on the field. And they both played really well. Um, tied for the league lead in sacks with the Bills through six weeks. Testament to Mike McDonald, the defensive coordinator what he's been able to do with the guys that they have healthy and on the field. Um, A guy that should no doubt be receiving head coaching um, interviews. And I hope he doesn't get a job because I want to keep him in Baltimore for a while. It seems like we constantly have our defensive coordinators leaving for other jobs every few years. Um, I really like what he's done last year. He had an issue. He had kind of some issues um, with communication late in games, which led to a few blown leads. Uh, but this year's kind of been the offense in the second half really hasn't done as much. So um, he's done really well. We're going to need him to keep it up um, if they have any hopes of doing anything this season. But testament to him and kind of what he's been able to do. Not not a big drop-off in production with a, with a lot of guys going down. So that's pretty much it for me, and I'll let you close it out with yours. Yeah. Um, Ravens probably need a pass rusher. Uh Touch on it real quick. I do think Mike Mike McDonald's gonna get an interview. I don't know if he gets a job right away. NFL is gonna be very weary, I think, on hiring young defensive coordinators as head coaches, given namely the Brandon Staley issue, and it appears as unpopular as he is among the NFL coaching fraternity, if you will. 
um, coaching world. He seems to be very unpopular. So um, that's probably one of them. I think we see another defensive coordinators who are great DCs, not do all as head coaches. I mean, Dan Quinn comes to mind. Gus Bradley comes to mind. So um, kind of something there. But uh, my, hot, my hot take, my ice bath for the week is um, excited for NHL starting up kind of right now. Um, trying to get into hockey as like a general, more of a general fan. Maybe I'll start rooting for players find players that I want to root for. Um, I'll probably be like, become like a, a pseudo caps fan. I don't really have an NHL team. I'll become like a capitals fan. Um, Cause I'm moving out there when I graduate and stuff. So I'll become a Caps fan, go to some caps games. Um, will not be, be, will not become like a diehard fan of anything. Since it seems like uh, it's a general theme that my, uh, my favorite teams just like to torture me every year. Um, they get, I get really getting no break. I mean, we think about it. We go from football season from September to January. The Chargers just like to commit acts of war against me. It feels like that violates a lot of, you know, international laws about, uh, you know, uh, human rights. It feels like they're violating a lot of human rights of mine. Um, the Dodgers like to play good baseball for, you know, a few months and then just execute me, uh, you know, uh, like I'm a, like I'm a, like I'm a, a 1700s prisoner, maybe. Or like a uh, like I'm in a movie, like I'm in like a spy movie, and they're just gonna execute me in October. That's, that just happens regularly at this point. Um, I mean, the Lakers are cool. I I'm not gonna complain. I've seen three NBA titles in my lifetime. I'm not gonna complain about the Lakers. Um, hey, I hate people that do that. People will like people will like complain left and like I know a guy. He can not you. I would just say if it was you, not you. You don't complain that much. Given that you've seen a title, you don't complain that much. Uh, I know people that have seen a Super Bowl title or more or war more in a lifetime, and they are complaining left and right about their football team. Hey, you don't get to do that. You no wrong, N- not okay. Let's 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 take a take a seat. Let's maybe perspective a little bit. Um, Lakers are fine. Uh, Basketball is whatever. Not really my, my favorite sport. Texas Tech just likes to it's cruel games um, at all sports. Football, basketball, baseball, they like to just do terrible things to me. So I need to find like a sport like hockey that I can just watch and enjoy and not just be pissed off all the time watching it. Um, so, again, I'll become like a pseudo Caps fan because I'm going to be living up there. But, yeah, like like this Connor Bedard dude, I love I love the rookies. I'll become I'll become a fan of his and he's going to ball out and I like him. So maybe I'll find some guys that I like in the NHL and start following them Follow the Caps a little bit. Maybe I'll find a team that I like the color scheme a lot. It, that seems fair. Um, so yeah, but excited for hockey. Kind of wanting to get into get into it a little bit more. Um, hockey fans are awesome, dude. I want to go to a hockey game so bad. I'm so upset. I'm going to DC for spring break to go do some preliminary like house hunting, apartment hunting type deal, and just to go back because I want to go go back again. Um, but there's the Caps aren't playing. Like they're like they play. Like the night that I get in, and like they're on like a road trip the whole week that I'm, I'm so pissed. I wanted to go, so I want to go to a game so bad. Um, but yeah, no, I'm excited for kind of becoming an NHL fan. I'm trying to get into it, um, trying to learn. I feel like I like I feel like every Stanley Cup, I like by the time the cup rolls around, like I feel like I'm pretty good with like the general rules of hockey, and then I just lose them over the break, over over the off season, and I gotta like start back up in the playoffs. So I'm gonna try and like have a real grasp for what's going on. By the time the playoffs roll around this year, that's my goal. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. Um, you know, we are in the best. The next week will be the best sports week of the year, if you think about it, in terms of what's going on. Once the NBA kicks off, we'll have we'll be in the middle of college football and NFL. We'll be in the CS slash World Series of MLB. NHL will get going. NBA will get going. And two months ago, we didn't have any of that except baseball. So a big contrast in terms of what we get to watch and what we can spend our time watching in the sports world um, as we enter the best. I mean, October is the best sports month of the year. So looking forward to it. Um, That'll pretty much wrap it up today. Like we said, next week we'll have a a little more on the NHL and NBA um, along with some other pieces to the episode 58 which will come out a week from today on the opening day of nba and then this upcoming thursday like i said we'll have 
another edition of Thursday Turf Talk where we'll recap our overall records and preview what's new and the latest matchups in the college football and NFL world. Um, but yeah, I appreciate y'all for tuning in. Um, Thursday night release this time around instead of Thursday morning, mixing it up. And we'll see y'all in a few days for Thursday Turf Talk. Follow us on social media at Cold Sea Podcast on Twitter and Instagram or X and Instagram. And yeah, see y'all soon. Hopefully, here, here's to hoping that this recording was flawless uh, when I go back and, and look at it in 20 minutes. But yeah, see you guys Tuesday or Thursday. Yeah, see you guys Thursday.